You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Well, welcome back to the podcast. Happy Friday. We are back in studio but not live. You may have joined us on our mm-hmm. live podcast earlier this week, which we really do enjoy. That is an extra layer of madness, but man, it's fun. Yeah, thank you guys for jumping in, asking questions. We really enjoy it. Of course, we don't always get to every question, yeah. but thank you for posting up, and we've got more questions for today. Some big news. The Toyota 86's piece, mm-hmm. it's a triple car comparison now playing on our main channel. Yes. On YouTube, and this was a comparison piece that we shot before we had all of the the madness in May for us, which was a lot of TV shooting and editing, and then we went to Germany on pilgrimage trip, Mm -hmm. and so it's been sitting there (laughs) waiting. We've been wanting to get it out, and so thanks for your edit, Uh, both of you guys. It turned out out well. uh, It's it's an interesting piece because we have that first-gen, what what was the FRS, became the GT86. This is the Mm -hmm. Hakone, like the last breath of that first-gen against our GR86 back on the stock wheels and tires against a brand new 2022 BRZ. And and I will admit straight up, we came into the piece expecting the BRZ and the, the GR86 to be essentially the same with different badges. Mm-hmm. And we were quite surprised. Yeah. They're not... Yeah. They're not totally different cars, man. But it was fascinating to drive them back to back, which is the thing that I feel like we haven't seen much of is the actual back to back comparison. There's been a lot of people that have driven both and we hadn't driven the BRZ, but it was about having them where you literally climbed out of that one and climbed into this one and you went, oh, that's That's, interesting. And and that's the thing that we've loved doing about comparisons over the years. The more comparisons we do, they're tough to put together to get all the cars at the same time in the same place. But once we do, it's those things that reveal themselves because we've always asked when somebody references a car, where is that car? Yeah. Where is it in Mm -hmm. your comparison, in your written article? It's easy to think, yeah, six months ago I drove that car and I kind of remember this is so revealing and it Mm -hmm. really affects our commentary. So check that out. And also on the test drive channel, the Toyota Sequoia is out. Mm -hmm. This is their big, big news for SUVs and the embargo has passed long ago, but finally the Sequoia is on there and Todd was not able to join me to our Texas trip. I took to Toyota's headquarters when they revealed the Sequoia. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately the off-road portion of that launch event had gotten washed out by very heavy rain. So I, I had barely any off-roading, but Uh, did come away with a great piece and thought it was a pretty impressive SUV if you, that's what you're looking for. So check that out on our test drive channel. And I know a lot of people shopping because you and I have both been asked about the new Sequoia. Hey, that's coming out. Should yeah. I wait for it? You know, what? what's all about it? So that It's uh, built on the Tundra platform, which, of course, is brand new just before that. And you do a really good job as a solo act. So, uh, yeah, I, I got a little... A little scared. It's like, Paul really does this well. <laughs> no. All right. Anyway, so that's on the Test Drive channel. And then speaking of other things going on, guess what? Of course, it's Friday, which means it's podcast day. We are still doing three a week. Mm-hmm. We have that Wednesday podcast happening. And it also means tomorrow is Saturday. Guess what? We're still on Motor Trend right now. We're in the middle of season 11. This is actually our seventh week. So this is a rerun from last season. This is the Bronco versus Wrangler playing on TV tomorrow morning early. And then we restart the new six. And while the new six restart, we'll be putting them on Amazon and Vimeo. We'll let you guys know when they're both there because they're headed there very soon. And then, of course, they will also trickle out to YouTube about one a month is about how that works most of the time. So all of that is happening. But that doesn't exclude 
more 86 pieces that we've already shot yeah. or the fact that we're about to leave for our north trip for, uh, for the cars of the past. We're planning the south trip for the cars of the past because that has to happen before the year's out. Yeah. We're doing the Utah meetup. There's stuff going on, and, I'm, and you know what? It's great stuff right now. And we're still planning new episodes for the next yeah, season are. of TV. Yeah. So there's cars to wrangle. We thank our TV sponsors constantly, but really, we couldn't do it without these guys. True. Covercraft. Use the code EVERYDAY22 when you're ordering online. Griot's Garage Car Care Products. They're the best, mm-hmm. hands down. Actually, you say that. We were driving today, freak rainstorm. My wife was driving the Cayenne. <laughs> okay? And I, I used their, their three-in-one ceramic recently oh, good. on her car. On, on her Cayenne. Hood, on the hood of her Cayenne. I didn't think about it. I used it a while back. And normally when I'm in her Cayenne, I'm the one driving. I happen to be riding passenger side. And we get this freak rainstorm. And I'm sitting there all of a sudden like, huh, look at the water beating up on the hood. And it took me, it took me literally the better part of 30 seconds. Why is the water beating? I was like, oh, that water's really beating up on the hood. This is a really old car. Is the paint in that good a shape? Why is the water beating? Oh, my gosh. It was the Griot stuff. It, it literally it took a while, but there you go. There it you even go, works so. when I do it. <laughs> that, that's that's how good their products are. It even works when I do it. Just tiptoe around that. Uh-huh. E-Driver is the code to use when you're ordering from Gross Garage. And autotempest.com slash every day when you're shopping for your car disease to feed the disease. We all want to talk about the go-fast parts. We're thinking of putting on our vehicles. But what about the stop-fast parts? Brakes are an essential part of your vehicle's maintenance, and upgrading is better than just simply replacing. You can transform your vehicle into a stopping powerhouse with a Power Stop Brake Upgrade Kit that includes carbon ceramic brake pads, drilled and slotted rotors, and all the stainless steel hardware that you need to complete your upgrade. Power Stop is on a mission to provide a complete and affordable brake upgrade kit for pretty much every vehicle on the road. If you tow, they have that. Off-road, track days, they have all that as well. They even have kits for brand new vehicles like our Toyota GR86. Take care of your brakes and even improve them by heading to PowerStop.com and entering your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder that'll match you with the right brake kit for your vehicle. These debates today are very different. Completely. <laughs> and I, I like them not because they're polar opposites, but I like the first debate because Brian C. writes to us from Raleigh, North Carolina, mm-hmm. and he's doing a clean sweep. He wants yep. to look for actually two cars, a minivan mm-hmm. and a dad car. Yep. And what I like about this is that, I, Brian, I think this is representative. I think it's not just you in this position. Mm-hmm. I think this will affect more people listening and resonate more beyond just what we're debating for you today. So I like this because hopefully we will speak not just to Brian's situation, but to anybody looking for the clean sweep, looking for these two with a growing family, changing needs and changing interests. Yeah. And so this really is more, it's, it's for Brian, but it's for the broader audience too. And Brian, that's Mm -hmm. why I liked your email. So thank you for writing. Really appreciate it. Brian is in the thick of his mid thirties. Officially hitting 35 this year has impacted him more than he thought it would. Uh, well, you know, we all have, but we all have that age, and, and it's, everybody. It's different. You know, the impression is that it's 40. But sure. I think everybody has that age. When you're an adult and you hit that age, and you go, "Wait, I'm here now." And that could be 30, 35, 40, 50, 55, whatever. It could be an age. Mm-hmm. I know one guy here locally in Park City who was unfazed by age, and he turned 60 and went, "No." <laughs> I'm 60. It like freaked yeah. him out. The, the thing, the freak out you would expect at 40, he, he, he waited another 20 years. And then at 60, he kind of lost it a little bit. He was like, no, this is not okay. So I get that it happens. It was 31 for my dad. He told me Interesting. that a while back okay. because he knew he was officially an adult in uh-huh. his 30s. He had kids. He had my sister and I. Yeah. And he was just freaked about 31. It was just an odd thing. <laughs> so funny. Know? My dad, my dad, it was definitely 40. Yeah. 40 for me was like, eh. 
mm-hmm. but 50 is looming and I'm going, I, I don't think I'm not okay with it, but at 50 is like, 50 is going, wait a minute, that's a big number. Eh. That's a lot of number. And I was actually recently, sorry, I'm off on a tangent. I was picking up food at a local restaurant recently. Okay. Okay. And the hostess, very nice young lady, mm-hmm. was asked what I needed. She went and got the food. She brought it back. She asked me what I had done that day because it was a beautiful day in Park City. And I said I was biking. Okay. And her response to I was biking was, my dad rode a mountain bike today. And I was like, yeah, you just, you're looking at me across the desk going, here's an old guy. He's my dad's age. I'll tell him Give what my dad that. did today. <laughs> so I slinked so back, but then I got in the Lotus and felt better. So it was all good. Yeah, but there's so many people, regardless of age, that are so in shape around Park City. Yes. You will get passed by people oh, yeah. in their 60s biking mm. uphill past you, kind of uh-huh. elbowing you out of their way. Yes. Like, excuse me. There was a woman on past. the trail today, and I said, why don't you go ahead? You're going to be faster than me. And she was like, I don't know about that. And I looked at, looked at her and I was like, yes, you will be. You will be plenty fast. I'm not going to be dawdling, but you're going to be faster. You go ahead. It just happens. Everybody's in ridiculously good shape. So we're, we're working towards that. But hey. Brian says his wife's in her early 30s, works as a CPA in corporate finance for a software company. Mm. She is the MOF, he says, although they're both numbers people, and they enjoy the topic of personal finance. I, on the other hand, do not <laughs> enjoy the topic I would like to avoid. The topic. <laughs> That's evident in our glad, body of work. Glad yeah. you do. Mm-hmm. They have a two-and-a-half-year-old son. They're expecting a baby girl later this year in October. Congratulations, Congrats. Very Brian. cool. He and his wife both work from home, make the daycare circuit twice a day, 18 miles round trip. Plus the usual errands, meeting friends, Mm -hmm. around town kind of stuff. His job is fully remote, and now he's got less travel. And they don't take road trips often with the baby on the way, especially, but occasionally, three to four times a year. And so here's their current garage. His wife's 2014 Twilight Blue Metallic Honda Mm. CRV. You're making a Honda CRV sound really great with your Twilight Blue Metallic (laughs) talk. Twilight Blue Metallic. It's a blue CRV. (laughs) She has a 2014 CRV. Thank you for playing. Yep. <laughs> Brian's also got a Silver Sky Metallic Toyota so, silver. Tacoma. Silver. He's got a Silver Tacoma. Tacoma. She has a blue CRV. He has a Silver Tacoma. And he says, please don't hate me for the monochromatic color choice. So, I mean, he, he sees what's going on. He's got a Silver Tacoma. So it sounds like they're thinking about selling both because mm-hmm. their anticipated market value are about twelve grand for the CRV plus $30,000 for the Tacoma equals $42,000 to that spend yeah. on two cars. He says this clean sweep would give them approximately forty to forty five in cash. They're planning to add eight grand to bring their total to fifty thousand dollars between two brand new to them, mm-hmm. so used vehicles. If they absolutely have to, they could bump to fifty five to sixty thousand total between two cars, which means you're bumping to sixty grand. Guess what number Paul is going to use. See just, if you even just, offer yeah. it in the email. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. You're screwed. Be- be- to your credit, if you offer it in the email, you're still gonna blow that number. That is the That's thing we've true. learned from our audience. Uh-huh. I think I want to spend this amount. I might spend a little bit more, and they mm. give that figure. And then when they write back with the car conclusion, they've spent above that. So you're always you're always kind of safe. Well, Brian doesn't want us to spend too much time on the first car debate because it's a minivan. He says it's the right tool for the job. He's heard us. He's heard yes. us say that if you need a minivan, get a minivan. Yes. I mean, obviously, we all know they aren't fun to drive. That's not their point. If you're hauling, and he quotes us back at us, did you see this? Nothing minivans like a minivan. We've actually said that. Yeah. He's like, guys, you're right. That is you're exactly right. the case. And while I think it could definitely be debated, does a family of four need a minivan? When you have a family yeah. of four, you don't have to run out and get a minivan. However, if you want that usability, because what he's thinking, which is really interesting, is if he gets rid of the Tacoma, the stuff the Tacoma does, which is essentially Home Depot runs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. He doesn't. He thought he was going to off road. He doesn't really off road. It's mainly his Home Depot car. 
So all the Home Depot stuff will go in the back of a minivan. Well, I'm going to scroll down to the bottom of the email, Brian, where you said, and I quote, you got a raise and decided to give trucks a try. You had grown up with Ford F-150s in your life in high school and rugged Tacomas always looked like they were fun. And this was, you know, stepping into a different part of car enthusiast ownership for him. Sure. Yeah. Which is great. Uh-huh. But the sentence after that is driving a truck is starting to get old. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So, scrolling back up. So you've just decided minivan. And, and so we're not going to try to sway you away from that. I get it. So you start talking about which minivan, which is an obvious question. And the two you land on are Honda Odyssey and Toyota Sienna. Long history of both brands. Love them. He said, we'll pick up some decent tires at some point. But essentially, you're going to drive a minivan like a minivan. You're going to have a rear-facing car seat, mm-hmm. which is enormous, as you said. And you'll also probably have a front-facing at some point soon for your two-and-a-half-year-old. But that's still a little bit of ways away. So you're going to have the big monster plastic bucket seats back there taking up space. Monster plastic buckets. But you'll have the nice sliding doors and the big hatch for the Home Depot runs. The doors so are the, handy. The doors are handy. So all of that works. Here's where I think it goes a little sideways. <clears throat> you ask if there's other minivans to consider. Your minivan budget is thirty to thirty-five grand. Uh, I have some somewhat bad news, um, <laughs> Brian. Uh, <laughs> I, hmm. I get the sense. Maybe I'm wrong. I they get like the personal finance. Have we yes. established that they like personal finance? Because y- you say right after you mentioned the budget is that this is the primary family car. So mm-hmm. you are willing to spend most of your money here. Right. New minivans are not this cheap in general. They're not. This is the problem. You want to spend thirty to thirty-five grand. Now, if you're going to find a used deal, which right now at the back end of 2022, used deals are harder to find. If you find a used deal, yes, you could get a minivan for that budget. I don't know how new it will be, but I get the vibe, and maybe you felt differently, Paul, but I get the vibe. You want a new minivan because you're like, this is the family mm-hmm. car. They start in the high 30s and go up. They go up somewhat precipitously. They, whoa, that went up quick. So I will say that the, um, the Sienna and the Honda Odyssey are both excellent, mm-hmm. but they both start right around 40 grand. This is my attempt to save you, Brian, because I'm going to recommend neither of those to you. Oh, okay. And tell you to check out Kia.com where there is the, do it, Carnival. Thank you. I have it on my list. I'm so glad you went there. That's the only one. Yeah. And they call it an MPV, so you don't have to say minivan ever again. You just, my, my MPV, it's the people mover. Yeah. Yeah, right? yeah. Multi-purpose van. And that's exactly what it is. And we had both of them. Yep. The reason Kia sent both to us was because of the seating configuration. Depending on which you order, they wanted us to try both. And they had, you know, almost first-class reclining lounge seats yeah, in crazy. one. Yeah, power lounge seats, and then seats that actually moved around so to accommodate the normal bench what, style, what yeah. these guys need, what mm-hmm. Brian and his family need. So they brought two on the press rotation, which was yep. astounding yeah, to me. Yeah, very interesting. That meant they really wanted journalists to get it. They, they mm-hmm. traveled in pairs. They came to Utah. They did the Utah rotation, and then we encountered them again in Texas. Together. <laughs> you're, you're right. They we traveled did. together, so uh-huh. both together. It was astounding, and I really appreciated that, but it meant Kia wanted everybody to to really get the mm-hmm. fact that they have configuration capability yeah. to meet yeah. people's needs. And you might not have a family. You might have mm-hmm. mountain biking and friends you go road tripping totally. with, and it's more of an MPV. Yeah. 
and I like the styling better, and it's a little bit more compact than the Sienna and the Odyssey. Okay, all right. Uh, exterior proportions. It seems like it is, yes. It, yeah. It's still large, mm-hmm. and I. they start at 32.9. They're going to go up from there, as Todd said, yeah. but you have to look at the Carnival. Agreed. Carnival. That's perfect. I love that. Uh, if you're going to, to buy used or if you're going to spend much more money on your minivan, I will say this to you. Chrysler makes pretty much two vehicles now, and one of them is the Pacifica. In fact, they've stopped the 300, so it's just the Pacifica. Chrysler's still around? The, they make the Pacifica minivan. Chrysler. I remember Chrysler. Yeah, a Chry- it feels like Oldsmobile, doesn't Chrysler. it? But they do technically huh. still sell cars. The, huh. the thing about the Pacifica is the last time I was in one, I was quite surprised. This may not be what you actually want, but I was quite surprised because the Pacifica, it was clear they sat down and they went, how do we make the front two seats, mom and dad's seats, mm-hmm. the most luxurious thing we can? The rest of it is minivan. And they're not cheap. <laughs> the rest of it is a monstrous plastic bucket. But, but the thing is, the Chrysler Pacifica is trying to be the luxury minivan for mom and dad. Now, you pay for that. You'll probably spend every bit of fifty grand on one. But depending upon how you're spending your money and what you want, and I don't think I don't get the vibe you want that, but I wanted to at least put it out there because that is where the Pacifica fits. I do think you might be perfect for the I'm doing it again. The Carnival. All right, moving on to car debate number two. Brian doesn't get to off road his Tacoma like he hoped he would. And it certainly holds mall crawler status. It does. All right. But he says, let's not show off at the mall. I agree. He doesn't haul much in the bed. <laughs> He doesn't have any super outdoorsy or dirty hobbies. And the cab inside the Tacoma is ergonomically challenged. That was put nicely. I really like the way you said that. He says he might as well be driving a Corolla. And the bed is so small, he hardly even gets friends to ask for help with truck things. You must not have the super long bed version because you can get a crazy long bed on that thing. But yes. You know your friends are going down the list. Who's got a truck yet, Brian? That's not a truck. He's just got a Tacoma. It's just, it's He's just, just got that little Tacoma. That's that not going to work. work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he wants to get rid of it. And he says if he needs one, he can rent one from Lowe's or yes, U-Haul or find a friend. You're right. Or just pay for delivery. That, there you go. <laughs> I'm glad you wrote that down. <laughs> just, that, that, that is the new pickup discussion. I could buy a pickup or you know what I could do? Pay for shipping. Now, his anticipated dad car budget is twenty dollars to $25,000, depending on how the mini... Indyvan budget goes. Uh huh. That's going badly. Hmm. Well, they've got sixty. Let's spend they've forty on the minivan. We still got twenty to twenty-five for the go. dad right. car. Yeah. Fair point. Fair point. He says he'd like a V8 or even a sporty okay. V6. Right. Sure, He's hesitant sure. on turbo engines due to longevity, reliability, and his smaller budget. Do not, in this modern age, be afraid of turbocharged engines anymore. That was an 80s and 90s kind of thinking. Let your car cool down. Let the turbos cool down. And don't need to do that anymore. I mean, there is much more going on. But yeah, the the turbo engines, be careful. I mean, everything's a turbo engine now. So the most of them have been handled. I will say, I have to say it. I'm sorry to say it because <clears throat> I'm going to get letters. Subaru engines and turbos oh. tend to be a bit reliability feisty. Let's just let's just let that's the best way I can think of it. Reliability challenged, yes. Hes- hesitant, mm-hmm. a loose relationship with reliability. Yes, the the, the bolts are loose for sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, Brian says rear wheel drive preferred. He's not in love with front wheel drive. He says all wheel drive is just more to maintain. Not really. All wheel drive systems are also they're fine. They they last a long time. But I definitely hear you on the sedan. You want a V8 sedan. Okay. And you're moving on from the truck phase of your life to a V8 sedan. Mm -hmm. I like this. We got to find him something. Needs to be an automatic so his MOF can easily drive it when dad has the kids in the minivan. And it needs to be able to accommodate two rear-facing monstrous plastic buckets of car seats and at least have better back back seat space than Tacoma. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Now, fuel economy, he says, is not a major issue since their driving is limited now, and the minivan will be taking the brunt of the annual mileage. Of course it will, yeah. And he's got a list, a good list he's of things that he's thinking list. about yeah, already. for sure. He's done his homework. Mm-hmm. Pontiac G8 GT is at the top of his list. You can definitely get one for that money, and that is not quite as good as the Chevy SS, but it's close, mm-hmm. and they're surprisingly mm-hmm. good. CTSV, ATSV, good choices. Yeah, solid. Solid. I think the ATS is going to disappoint you in back seat space. The CTS sure, would not. The sure. ATS, you're probably going to be like, oh, those should be bigger. He says Lexus LS something, maybe an LS460. Sure. Excellent car. Yes. Superb car. Not necessarily a fun car. If you're searching for your fun right. dad car, it's not the Lexus LS. Volvo S60R is on his list. I like that you've got some interesting flavor. Yeah. The original Hyundai Genesis 5.0 R-Spec. Yeah. Decent. Kia Stinger GT, you knew we would recommend that. Superb. That is that should that's the one that should be at the top of the list. I think it's Pontiac G8 GT and the King, the Kia Stinger GT drive both of those immediately, and those are your considerations. Your top, your I've got others, but those are the top two. Brian says he's also not against German cars, but he's concerned they'll all require more care and feeding than he'd prefer to give them. Mm. Yeah, especially the models that are in his price range. So he's open to German sedans or wagons. No Mopar V8 sedans. Uh-oh. He's too concerned with owning a Chrysler product. He had a bad experience with an old town and country growing up. I did just bring up a Pacifica. You I'm aware of that. that. I am aware that it happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is all they sell anymore. I just want it noted. I'm yeah. surprised they're still around. Uh-huh. Not in love with Dodge interiors, he writes. Okay. And then he's thought about sticking with a GX470 or a Land Cruiser or a 4Runner, but he does think a sedan or wagon would make more sense for a new experience and just having a next phase kind of car. I have to say that when I read your list, I really thought, why is the old Charger not on here? And then I read the next thing, which is (laughs) 90% no on all Mopar V8 sedans, and I hate the Dodge interiors. So that pretty much wiped that off the list. His next paragraph talks about tracking, but he says he doesn't really require having a track day kind of capable car. He likes to drive spiritedly, but Mm -hmm. this is not for track use. That's not the idea I'm getting. So maybe a HPDE once a year or some other nearby track, we get it. And so coming to this new experience, and again, this is, Brian, why your email I think is representative because people Mm -hmm. are hearing Mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. They want a good minivan, something that checks that box. It's like when you move in, you here's the color couch we're getting and we've checked that box. We've got the couch. We don't need to ever buy another couch. We've got it. Until the kids destroy it. But right. there is but the, but you're you're making this major clean sweep life change from we're married, no kids mm-hmm. to okay, we're parents and now we're family. You you have this big step and you're realizing you got to change things. So I think it's it's very relevant for sure. I have a lot of suggestions for you, things to think about, some driving homework, and none of them include a Phaeton, even though, can you imagine him rocking a Phaeton? The Phaeton. Not fun, but yet at the same time, not fun to drive, but yet at the same time, very fun. Just, Just here I am, dad and a Phaeton. I'm going to work towards what I think you should consider. Okay. But I'm going to start with GTO. It's not a four-door. Pontiac GTO. True. V8 experience. Same era as that G8. Exactly right. It's a nice alt to that G8, Mm -hmm. but the the G8 is almost a foregone conclusion at this point. If you're interested in that and you can find one for your budget, it would work great. You mentioned Chevy SS. That's on my list. I toyed with an Impala SS from the early 90s, but then I quickly moved on. (laughs) The (laughs) mid-90s sweepy Vader car. You remember that ad? Lord Vader, your car is waiting. You remember that ad? It was a metal backdrop. 
moody lighting. They had a black one sitting there, and it just said, Lord Vader, your car is waiting, which was, I thought was, I was impressed they were able to get permission to do that, by the way, because, you know, there were, there were Lucasfilm <laughs> lawyers that were involved that's true. in that, for sure. That's true. Lexus GSF is on my list. Yeah, if you could find one for your budget, that would be that. That is that is the surprise one in the Lexus lineup that works really well for him. Yeah, agreed. There's a 2017 Genesis G90, the 5.0 Ultimate, out there. Oh, interesting. Okay, they're harder to find. Yeah, they are. And speaking of hard to find, there's an almost invisible sedan with a V8 engine. <laughs> okay, go. It's, in, you know, it's an Infiniti Q70. This car is invisible. Mm. It had that 5.6 liter V8. Mm. They dropped off a cliff in terms of value and retaining their <laughs> and value. And awareness. <laughs> and awareness. But nevertheless, it's such a respite. It's that got that Lexus thing going on without yeah. the badge yeah. sure, and without sure. the price tag, mm-hmm. even though you Probably used without Lexus the reliability. Too. But anyway, yeah, it's a separate thing. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. I toyed with Jaguar XJRs, but I forgot that immediately. Okay. And so here we are at the Mercedes E420 and E430 from 1996 to 2002, especially the wagon and especially the E55 wagon. Well, yeah, if you can find one and you like it. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. But what impressed me most about these cars is a friend that drove one, a guy named Christian. He had one. And he, it was an O2, I believe, and he beat the snot out of that thing. And if it's the Christian I'm thinking was of, he was never nice to cars. No, no. Yeah, and it all. just had that Mercedes, the typical bank vault door quality, and it ran really well, and it had fairly high miles. And he put a lot of miles from Los Angeles to San Francisco, driving back and forth, and that thing was just so solid. Mm. And I don't know that he dumped money into it to maintain it. They're harder to find, but I, I'm recommending that E420 and E430. Those are the ones with the V8. You remember the quad headlight E-Class, yeah, Brian, sure. from that era? I always just kind of dug them weirdly. And those, it's probably the only car from that the aughts of, of Mercedes that I really just kind of liked. But the E55 Mercedes wagon is just, that is on point. Mm. I think you'd really like that. But again... It's a balance. I think you should get the Pontiac G8. Second choice is Lexus or Infiniti because you know it's just going to run. But this third choice, because you've got the minivan sorted and you said it yourself, you're not putting that many miles on it. It's not like you're hammering on these things. It could be a special time to get this out of your system, have it for a few years. Mm -hmm. A wagon or sedan, and it's a Mercedes. I liked my SLK because it ran despite what I thought it would be. Mm, It felt mm. more solidly built and it ran without any maintenance. I barely did anything to the car and it had 156,000 miles on it. I thought at any time this engine could grenade (laughs) with all the problems I've read about it and it just seemed to run. And so if you get one with a hundred thousand miles, put 50,000 on it. I I bet you you'll just change the oil. Interesting. I have one that hasn't been mentioned, but I want to review some of the stuff that Paul said because Paul had some great recommendations there. The um, again, I want to I want to mention that uh, the G8, yes, front runner, and I do think the Stinger GT, if you could find one for your budget, is really very compelling for you. So that's very totally, good, right? Yeah. But um, I'm going to bring up two. First off, I'm going to say this: you said I just I just want to review. <laughs> you did say uh, dad fun sedan, rear wheel drive, V8 preferred, massive back seats, mm-hmm. and then you took out the Charger. I mean, that is pretty much the Charger's reason to be. I, I didn't go there because he said no Mopar and I'm just, and, doesn't and like I, Dodge. I get it. That's fine. I'm just, the, the car that really checks every box you've listed, like the first on the list is Dodge Charger. 
You want to run regular gas, Dodge Charger. I just, I, you're it, right. I, okay, all right. Moving on. So I will say this car that you have not mentioned, and I thought, are they really down here? And I looked, and yes, they are. And that is the Alpha Julia. Are they really down there? They are available on. I've got them up in front of me right now. They are available on either side of twenty grand. The mid-20s, you can find quite a few. I'm looking at the rear-wheel drive. In fact, I have in front of me right now a 2018 in the perfect red with the phone dial alpha wheels with 62,000 miles available in Arlington, Texas for 25 grand. I was wondering about that. So mileage is probably, what, 50 to 60, 80,000? 62,000 miles. Yeah, I mean, yes, yes, yes. In this, this uh, is the sixty to $80,000 range. It's the 2017s to 2019s, and right, they're running from... Right high teens like 18 19 to 27 28 you have your choice but this is a ti sport rear wheel drive in red and the reason i bring this up is because look it's the back seats are not amazing they're good they're not great okay but you're talking about a dad car you want you're going to have a minivan on one side of the garage you want a little bit of flavor and fun to drive on the other side the julia does that better than most yeah, I agree. I so, mean, it's not the V8 sedan that you're looking not, for. It's not. It's a, it's a turbo four. But, it, it isn't. It, that's the problem. And and you're probably not going to be able to put regular gas in it. And I get it. It's not perfect, Dodge Charger. It's not perfect, <laughs> but it has the flavor you're looking for. Right. And that car, driven slow, I bet you you'd like the Alpha Julia. That's the thing about it. Mm-hmm. I think it would just be interesting and fun driven slowly. It's interesting how many cars we've named between the two of us of choice in this category. Yeah, the Alpha Surprise. isn't the V8, but no, the the Quadrifoglio, those are coming down too. Well, yeah, they're not down this far, but that well, is the V6 yeah. you want for sure. <laughs> yeah, Sheesh. I, I'm amazed at how many sedans are still out there. Just mm-hmm. choice. It's really interesting. So like I said, Brian, I, I want to put this out there to many people who are considering that as, as all of these as the next flavor. And I love that you're moving on from trucks. I like that you're deliberately choosing that, you know, like you said, clean sweep. So here we go. You've got driving homework to do here. And so write to us with your car conclusion. When you finally decide, Brian, let us know what you get. It's summertime, which means it's track season. And if you're anything like us, you're looking for your next track event. And no matter what your skill level, this is why motorsportreg.com is awesome. It's ridiculously easy for you to find and register for track events all across the country. But what's even crazier is you can actually get notices about stuff in an area around you, too. I get those emails, and they're awesome, and they remind me I don't go to the track enough. With over 7,000 events annually, it's the most complete events listing nationwide. And if you're an event organizer, Motorsport Reg will help you fill every event with tools that automate tasks, improve your accuracy, and grow participation, plus a full-time support team who are there when you need them. You can learn more and find events today at msreg.com slash everydaydriver. This second car debate is not really about help me find a car. <laughs> it's really kind of a... We need somebody to bounce this off of. Adam's writing in and going, uh, hi, guys, should I sell my very rare car? We don't really talk too much about flipping cars. True. That's not our headspace. Nope. Unless you're at the very high end of the auction market. You're yeah. not yeah. You're not buying and selling cars just for the thrill of the chase. And most of those that are being bought and sold like that are not being bought to drive either. That's true. Well, Adam writes... Last year, he was looking for a cheap, practical car he could use as a beater and haul lots of luggage when they visit family and travel. Okay. He ended up buying a 2003, picture this, Mercedes mm-hmm. C240 station wagon with a six-speed manual transmission. 03 Mercedes C240 wagon manual. Everything about that's a unicorn. 
like, like the entire list is a unicorn. When Adam saw the listing for the car, he thought the manual transmission notation was a mistake. He didn't think they offered the manual on the W203, that's chassis code, wagon, since they weren't offering it on most of their cars at that time. That, you're right. That is the last gasp mm-hmm. of Mercedes-Benz manuals in the U.S. And as you discovered, Paul, the manuals are surprisingly good. Best part of the car. <laughs> yeah. The car only had 55,000 miles on it, so he bought it sight unseen, thinking it must be relatively rare. And they only wanted a few thousand dollars for it, so it seemed like an acceptable risk. This is an owner who had used it up, wasn't getting any more use out of it, looked up what the KBB value would be, and the, the value on those value things is just ta- calculating what is that car depreciated. He doesn't think about the fact that it's rare or it has mm-hmm. a manual. None of that matters. Well, as far as rarity goes, here's how rare it is. Adam reached out to a former Mercedes product planner on an auction site. That person claimed that Mercedes only imported six of these wagons to the U.S. with manual transmissions, and they were all initially owned by Mercedes-Benz USA. Hmm. According to this person, there were six total with approximately three C320s and three C240s. Okay. So there isn't six cars. There's three of these in <laughs> three the U.S. Three of this is the exact one. Yeah, for sure. Adam has been able to confirm that the manual transmission was not on the U.S. options list for the wagons, and then he noticed a weird year-long gap in the Carfax between the car's importation date and when it was offered for sale. Ding, ding, ding. That is key. That is a key piece of information. He says this might be explained by the Mercedes-Benz USA ownership, Mm -hmm. and he's got the original Monroney, so he knew it wasn't a manual swap. Amazing. He said he imagined that they sold quite a few manual wagons in Europe, but he's only been able to find one other one in the U.S. via an old Mercedes forum post. Seeing as people seem to pay crazy money for rare Mercedes Benzes mm-hmm. these days, should Adam try to list it on an auction site? He likes the car and doesn't need the cash, but he also feels bad about using the car as a beater. He doesn't expect to sell it for a lot of money, but he's seen automatic wagons go for quadruple what he paid for this car. Wow. Part of him wants to hang on to the car for just the rarity's sake, but he's sure an enthusiast is out there who would appreciate it a lot more than he. Very he's very conflicted. Interesting, Adam. I, hmm, this is fascinating. The auction site is the great unknown variable here because yeah, yeah. it could go way in your favor or it could fall on its face. You hope that the rarity would make it have a little bit of auction fever, mm-hmm. and that's the only way it's actually going to take off for you. But you didn't give us a number. The thing I think is interesting is you talked about it costing you a few thousand dollars. So I'm going to set your headspace here, Adam. I think it's time to sell. Five grand? How much are we talking? Even if it's eight. It, it can't be 10. He would have said so. Yeah. So yeah. it's got to be under 10. So wow. I think it is time to sell. And I say that because you don't need or necessarily love this car. It's, it serves a purpose in your life. Yeah. You've just recognized you own something rare. So, yes, I think it is time to sell. I think the time to sell was probably six months ago. But anyway, <laughs> sure. we're here now. Everything. Yes. Houses, jets, boats, <laughs> yes. cars. <laughs> you have something to sell. Here's the thing. Right when I bought my 300ZX, I thought now's the time to sell a 300ZX. Anyway, uh, but it's not getting driven much. And it's intriguing to you, but not a car you love. But what I want to tell you is, Adam, go in wanting to get maybe 10% more than you paid for it. That's your hope. Set low expectations. Don't go in thinking, I'm going to double my money. Maybe, maybe, but Mm -hmm. go in with a realistic expectation and let it do whatever it's going to do, but let it go to somebody who can't believe they have this car. You're in the demeanor where you're going, 
I should feel like I can't believe I have this car, don't I? I, sh- I should be excited. Mm-hmm. So I think sell it. See what you can do. 51% of me is leaning towards keeping it. Interesting. Okay. This is why there's two of us on the show. <laughs> well, I've been weighing this, Adam. And I like it because the rarity didn't cost you very much. That is key. That is very good. It's not like I got the rare car off an auction site and I paid one, two, yeah. three, ten, twenty million yeah. dollars for the McLaren F1 and I got the rare thing. Well, yes, you did. <laughs> Could, and you certainly paid for it. Congratulations. <laughs> good job. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you won the auction, but I think you're fascinated with this car. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to read between the lines, but I think you're fascinated after having done the research. And I know you said that there's an enthusiast out there who would love it more than you, but it's designed to drive and it's a wagon that needs to be driven yeah, and it needs yeah. to be out there in public and sure. shown off because if there's sure. an enthusiast who values it because of its rarity, it might sit. Whereas mm. you wanting to use it as a beater are going to drive it and get it out there. Mm-hmm. And the, biggest thing that I like about this car is the conversational aspect about it. Okay. All right. It's not going to be everybody. Most people won't even notice. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even think you told us the color of the car. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's just one of They'll three. say, Hey, yeah. there's a Mercedes wagon. They might or might not notice the badge. <laughs> it's a car. It's a wagon. Look, you've got stuff in the boot, but the right person that comes along that starts to notice, like, Whoa, Holy moly. This is, this is a wagon. <laughs> And not only that, looking inside, peeking through the window, it's a manual. Are you kidding me? Who is this rare special owner? Who is this person that has curated his belongings in his life to such the nth degree that this is what you landed on? Who are you, sir? That's fascinating. You know what I'm envisioning just now? I'm envisioning him backed in, because of course you have to back in, (laughs) the cars and coffee with a sign on the the windshield that says, manual. No, no, no! Look, it's just really it's sitting there, please. perfectly clean. Don't, don't, don't build yourself one of the signs with the build sheet. Don't do that. Yeah, don't. But do I'm that. just seeing this little side on the windshield. It just says manual, because because they didn't even have people walking by wouldn't even read the sign. Everyone that does is like, wait, what? Most people look at it with the same disdain they give Saturns. Like, yeah. what is that thing doing here? Yeah, I don't understand what and car you brought. If to you had a coffee. sign like manual neon lights, no, no, look. <laughs> I think it's such an interesting car. I say use it as a beater. You paid very little for it. And if it is such a rare thing, as you said, it will retain its value. It's yeah. not going down in value to you. True, it's fair. only going up. It doesn't matter what you do to this car because there's only three in the U.S. Interesting. It doesn't matter what you do to it. <laughs> you could turn it into a lemons car. You and could. And it'll still have its same value. That's funny. Which will, they'll ding you for it. Lemons they'll ding you for that. Much, so yeah, don't make it a do lemons that, yeah. car. It's, there's better lemons cars. But still... I am fascinated that you've got this thing to converse about, but only to the people who notice. Yeah. Having an object in your life or finding a person that is into some rare kind of thing or hobby or sport, whatever that is, when you finally get to that, that, wow, that changes the conversation totally. That makes somebody (laughs) incredibly interesting. You know what I mean? So this is a toe in the pool for the conversational aspect yeah, of yeah, like every that. subject we could talk about on the planet. Yeah. But what a cool, interesting, different thing. And you never know. Mercedes-Benz USA might call you later and say, uh, you know that car that you've got? <laughs> Maybe. The other two, one was launched off a cliff and one burned down. So <laughs> we need your car back. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Hello, Adam. It's going to go in the museum. Good thing you put 200,000 miles on it. I'm glad it did because <laughs> it shows how well-constructed Mercedes-Benz's were from that era. So could we have it back, please? 
Adam, if you would like to be the center of attention, <laughs> drive your Mercedes wagon to a Mercedes car club event. And just don't don't say a word. No signs. No nothing. Don't say a word. Just just that, wait for just, that crowd to be like, you have a manual Mercedes? And yeah. then people, you know, of all the hot Mercedes They'll be the given years, rides. <laughs> the going SL. That like, Mercedes GT is cool, but have you seen the C-Class wagon with the manual? Really? Your car is rarer than the Gullwing in the U.S. That's a great point. That's a great point. How about that for a conversation? There are more Mercedes SLS in the country (laughs) than cars like Adams. That's ridiculously funny. From the 55, 300 SL? That's very funny. SLS to the AMG GT, the hot Mercedes, whatever. Oh, you've got another wagon, the E63 wagon that we love? Yeah. Yeah, those are a dime a dozen. (laughs) Comparatively, this is ridiculous. It's very funny, though. Great questions as always, guys. Thank you. Just a brief reminder, we do ask for questions twice a week. Typically, it's on Monday for our Tuesday podcast and Thursday for our Friday podcast. You'll see a post about something, and in there is a a request for questions. This is where we take them all. If you have a car debate, please send it to the email, everydaydrivertv at gmail. Please don't add that to the questions on the social media. It's just a way we kind of keep everything funneled so we can get it properly. Dustin is asking about my dad, which is a larger question. No, he's asking about my dad. <laughs> what in Sorry. particular? No, he's asking about my dad's Corvette. He's saying, okay. no, hasn't heard updates in a while. What's the story with my dad's Corvette? He still has it. He is interesting because the, the, it's a car I never thought he'd buy. And he's he talked really about it for likes years. it. He finally did. He has shown up at Cars and Coffee twice this summer, having spent an hour or two the day before cleaning it with Griot's products. So and it glad. actually has cleaned up really, really well. To my father's credit, he's cleaned it up really That's well awesome. with the Griot stuff. And he actually, he, he, he walks around cars and coffee kind of like this dazed look on his face. Like he doesn't entirely understand this culture, but he's glad he could bring his car and see his son. Who are that's, these weirdos? That's really what goes on. He keeps walking to me and going, so what's that one over there? So, so, so why does that one have its hood up? I mean, we have these conversations every single really? day. It's very funny. They're valid questions, Absolutely. Though. No, for sure. But he drives in, and he backs his Corvette in, and he does the whole thing. He does the whole dance, wow. which is really funny. So I appreciate that he's doing that. But then there's the other side of him that just kind of gets like cloudy-eyed and goes, why do I own that? Like, I shouldn't own that. There's, he's mm. at war with himself. It's very interesting. My goal for this car, because I don't think he's going to keep it very long, He's okay. already had it, uh, I guess, two years, okay? Has it been that long? Uh, yeah, no. A year and a half. year and a half. It's been wow. a year and a half, yeah, because wow. he bought it in January a year ago. Yeah. Amazing. So um, I'm thrilled that he has it. My mom, Newsflash, likes to drive it more than he does, which is riotously funny. He's glad he got the automatic because she loves driving it. She'll just show up in the vet and be like, hey, how are you today? <laughs> which is very funny. But my big goal for them is I keep telling them when they keep going out of town, I'm like, take the vet. And they don't. I keep going, take the vet. I yeah. want them to do some really cool road trip in that car before they let it go, because I think it's probably got another couple of years in their life at most. But I hope before that ends, they go to some really cool road, which I'm sure they will drive at walking pace, but really cool road in that car. And he has two of the removable tops. It came with two. It has the, the paint hard top one, and it has the smoked glass one. And they run the smoked glass one most of the time, and the cabin's pretty cool. So it's a mixed bag over there at the Deacon home. <laughs> it really is. I have a request okay, for both your parents. Okay. Will you please teach them both to do a burnout in that car before they get rid of it? <laughs> Just to have done it and feel what a burnout in a Corvette feels like. I do like that idea. It's an automatic thing. Yeah. should go very well. Yeah. It's easy to do. It's got the easy power. Turn traction control off. Mm-hmm. And 
have them do a smoky burnout. <laughs> I, I Because why not? I think it's great. I got the tires loose on the test drive with my mom in the right seat. She kind of looked at me like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm screwing around. This is a, it's a big V8 Corvette. <laughs> I'm just checking. On Facebook, Ed Hayes says, you can tune out of class. Can you restore out of class? As a matter of fact, you can. There's car shows dedicated exclusively exclusively to this phenomenon. Mm. And they're called Amelia Island Concours and Pebble Beach Weekend coming up, actually. These cars have been restored so far past the quality and standard that they came out of the factory. That's true. There's never been one that nice ever in history. They're no longer in their class. Interesting point. But I'm fascinated because we... Look at all the auction sites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're constantly looking at these cars, yeah. and there's a lot of gorgeous, perfect cars out there. And I'm glad they're perfect because that means mm. they're going to be around for a while. Yeah, I guess so. And I like that all this knowledge has built been built up. Mm. There's some mm. tribal knowledge that will be lost as yeah. mechanics get old and die. Yeah. But I like that these cars are still there, still out there, and still desirable. Yes, they're at a high price. No, I can't even afford a quarter of them, a tenth of them. But wow, mm. the fact that these cars are out there keeping the dream alive, keeping automotive enthusiasm alive because people have poured more money than they should. Yeah. I'm just trying to justify my 928. That's I all I'm trying to do. Well, but but I, I, I have a controversial thought here too. I, I like that these cars exist out there and mm. not mm. just, well, you know, it got old and tired and we put a bunch of miles on it. And yeah, yeah, parts are expensive and we just drove it to the junkyard and that's it. I have a potentially controversial thought okay. that might, might stir some commentary, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. Okay. Right off of this question. Icon Trucks, Singer 911. These are restored out of class. Absolutely. They, they are, are incredibly impressive. Yes. I, I am, the, there is no two cars on the planet I am more torn by than an Icon truck or a Singer 911 because I walk up to them and I walk around them and I am... In my, in my own mind, at war with myself constantly going, this is incredibly well done, followed by this big blinking question of why, 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 why? Because yeah. a, a singer is gorgeous, looks great. Yeah. And I'm not the world's biggest 9-11 fan, but they look amazing. I'm sure they drive really, really well. You got quilted leather in your engine bay. Totally. Uh, what are you doing? What are you doing? Well, there's people that put deer statues in their yard because they – can't figure out what Different to do with issue. their money. The, the, I mean, that's a low level of getting quilted leather in your engine compartment. It is, yeah. But, but still, a deer, bronze deer sculpture, or anything made out of bronze in the, your the, yard. A huge like, monster elk in your you yard. You don't know what to do with your money anymore. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Bored? What's going on? <laughs> Harvey asks, what noise-canceling headphones we wear on road trips in noisy cars? I, I have it. I think you have the same ones. Uh, I have the Bose noise-canceling, and they're killer. They're really, really good. It's what my son and I both wore when we took the Lotus on a big road trip, and it really, really helped. Yeah, they're excellent. Alex HC09 says, what's the worst car either of us have fallen in love with? He drives a 76 Corvette with a four-speed. Oh, he drove one. 76 Corvette with a four-speed the other day and yearns for the day he gets to drive it again. <laughs> okay. Well, then Petrolhead 2003 suggests a Mondial or a Quattroporti. Mm. Am I allowed to like Maserati? Am I? Why aren't you allowed? You've earned the right to like your Maserati. You've ta- you have driven a Maserati <laughs> on road trips. <laughs> And across the salt flats at full speed. I you have. have earned the right to like okay. Maserati. I like Maserati. Especially considering you didn't, and now you've come around. You've earned it, man. Saying it publicly. For I, sure. I like Maserati. <laughs> Does it feel wow. good to say out loud or not? Are you, it feels do you feel strange worse? and weird yeah. because okay. 
years ago in the podcast. I trashed him. You did, yes. But here I am. All right, so just shows you can change your mind. But the Mondial, yes, I really fell in love with it. And I'm sure early versions were bad. But again, back to the keeping cars alive thing, mm-hmm. even bad ones are kept alive. And I love that they contribute to car culture. They contribute mm, to sure. auctions. Yeah, yeah. People want them and fall in love with stupid 928s for no apparent reason and dump a whole bunch of money into them. But yet, here's this cool car. I'm going to say, say one that I thought of as we're talking this through that I don't love. I don't like, I must have one. But I really respected it when I got out. But yet I've never really driven one that was great. And it's the BMW 2002. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I, I enjoyed driving it. Yeah. yeah. Liked it. Everyone I've ever seen is in some state of, of disrepair. And remember when Sam Smith is on the podcast? He has that 2002 mm-hmm. that has the badge in the, in the bumper because it's rusted. Mm-hmm. It has rust remnants. of. He took the badge off. It's just the rusty remnants. That car is as analog as they come. It is fun to drive. It is objectively an old, beat-down car at this point, it just in general. I know there's some out there that are pristine, but everyone I've seen or driven has not been. But yet they're fun, and they're endearing in their own little way. Okay, then I have the answer to your icon and singer okay. conundrum. Sure. And that is taking the best parts of the old cars and using modern technology and modern parts mm, to make mm. them good, to retain sure. that feel, retain sure. the wheelbase, the driving characteristics, yeah. and make them better. Because the tech that we have available to us now from modern disc brakes, sure, sure, you name the parts, mm-hmm. weren't available when those cars were built. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing to drive... The old Porsches, the transaxle mm-hmm. yeah, era Porsches, and think the hottest version of that just kind of keeps up with modern Camrys these days. <laughs> On a good day downhill. <laughs> and that was the super hot version. Yeah, for sure. But keeping these cars around to now put new parts on them to retain these old driving characteristics mm. and mm. hopefully retain the best parts of those driving characteristics and then improve mm. everything else that was terrible. I hope that continues. Yes, the problem is it's going to be astronomical dollars. Yeah, for sure. And they're only going to be for a select few. But I think there's going to be an increasing amount of cars Hmm. that qualify for that. From older Ferraris, maybe BMW 2002s. Somebody's rebuilt it into this. Why would you dump money into this? Restoring way out of class. Yeah. But it's brilliant. Yeah. Interesting. Revs Up said, are we in currently... In 2022, are we in the 2020s? Let's just say that. Are we in the new version of the Malays era? The Malays era was the 70s, 80s, when like Chrysler was making the K cars, and Oldsmobile and Chevy had every possible version of the Cutlass, and all the cars kind of looked the same. And, the, and you look back, and you kind of like, eh. uh-huh. the, the Trans Am had what 150 horsepower. I mean, it was in Smokey and the Bandit, but it had very little horsepower and a huge engine in the hood. <laughs> this was this was the bad era. He said, "Are we in the new era for that?" He said, "We've got numb electric steering." Generic electric boxes with no handling feedback, very few sports cars, especially those with manuals, and Ford and Chevy both no longer make cars, and the entire world is focused on SUVs or CUVs. Two thoughts here. We're in a weird spot because the Malays era, everything was bad. Mm -hmm. Even the sports cars, because of new restrictions, even the sports cars were bad. True. I think we are in a new Malays era because we have an overwhelming number of silver five-seat boxes. I mean, they just are. That can be your little wagon. It can be your Outback. It can be your SUV. It can be your CUV. It's just this is a box for five people and a hatchback currently available in silver. I mean, that is an overwhelming majority. From electric cars to 
turbos to everything. Yeah. So in that regard, you know, yawn. I totally agree where we are. But there's a surprisingly num- good number of great sports cars available right now, there which are. the Malays era didn't have. That's a great point. I like that. Sharif asks a question down here. He agrees with virtually everyone that the Civic SI is the obvious alternative to the new Integra. But have we considered that the new Integra is priced within the Paul limiter of a used Civic Type R? I like this, Sharif. Within the Paul limiter, which means ten grand on either side, really. We could swing it. <laughs> right. He says the Integra, the way we want it, is about $35,000. Used CTRs are sitting in the low 40s, mm-hmm. likely to pull back a little bit as the market cools off. But the prior generation Civic Type R has the most luxury of the most of the luxury of the Integra and all of the cool tech. I suppose so. And you're getting a new car. Mm. I mean, it's got an Acura badge on it. And I don't love that they I don't get the impression that they pushed it further than just offering it in the Acura lineup with Mm. some different sheet metal, a few different features. How cool would it have been Uh, with super handling all wheel drive? Agreed. More expensive, but how cool? How how much would have that differentiated well, that car? This goes away from the Acura entire mantra. They're True. all about super handling right. all-wheel drive. You're right. Everything this car doesn't have it. It's a great point. Yeah. This doesn't. It's just slotted in there, and it seems like they because they wanted to keep the price down, they didn't give it all the Acura mojo they could have. Mm. And I feel like that was a mistake, but the problem is that would blow the Paul limiter. Yeah, and then you be, would be up to buying a Civic Type R, and right. that would actually... Be more so, Sharif, yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> Nick Lancey says, is the Miata, he's talking about the first two generations, the NA or the NB, is it still a good bargain in today's car market, or are there alternatives that offer similar or superior value for money as an introductory sports car? First off, watch our $8,000 challenge piece where we drive all kinds of sports cars that are inexpensive comparatively. I know that the whole market has shifted since we've done that piece. Shifted so much we had to add a zero. No. The cheap $80,000 cars. <laughs> Sadly, luckily it has not moved that much. Look at that whole piece because all of those are contenders, but I'm going to bring up two specifically that you could probably get for Miata money. And and I don't know that they'll actually be better to drive, but you might like them more. The Toyota MR2 Spider from the early 2000s. That speaks to me more than the Miata. I just like it. It's quirky and weird, but it's fun. And then, of course, the Pontiac Solstice or the Saturn Sky, which have defiantly stayed incredibly cheap in spite of the market. And those are different in flavor than the Miata, but surprisingly good. So I think those are the first two I would recommend, even though watch that piece and see what strikes you. Tobias K. asks, for the best sleeper road trip car, especially if it's through states like Nebraska. We had a great time in Nebraska. Surprisingly good, yeah. fun putting the hammer, hammer down. down. Yeah, that was good. Cattle going by in a blur. Just us <laughs> the cattle hours. Blur. Yeah. I think it's the Genesis GV70. Oh, okay. Understated, yeah. a lot of power. Good yeah. turbos, things fast. It just it looks like car, and you could do some damage with that. The GV70 though, the SUV. Sorry, G70. Oh, the oh, oh yeah, I for sure. Oh yeah, G70. Yes. Oh yeah, that's a baller. Yeah, for yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I could go back older, you know, the Mercedes E500, but those sure. are expensive. You know, the BMW 335is that we if, love. If your Phaeton was running. <laughs> yes. The Phaeton across Nebraska is the place to be, my friend. But I'm <laughs> frightened about it running. And I guarantee you, any mechanic you pull into in the middle of Nebraska is going to go, what the heck is that? Did you? <laughs> Why did, how did you blow up a Jetta? What, what, is this an extra large Passat? What, what are you driving here? So funny. I don't work in those darn foreign cars. <laughs> that's where that's going. I'm telling you right now. 
Thank you for all your questions. We really appreciate it. Write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com with your car conclusions, topic Tuesdays, and most of all, your car debates. We're looking forward to hearing from you. Looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.